0: The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near West Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. Right. I made comment that we're going to be starting a series of messages on prophecy and in-time events. Fun stuff. Are you ready? <laughs> and my thought, uh, and the reason I think that the Lord is just kind of nudging me this way, is so that we can have confidence in God's Word, that we can have confidence in the fact that God's got this. Um, he's not ever been taken by surprise. He's not ever going to be taken by surprise. He knows everything that is going to take place. So I've got um, two key verses that I would like to use kind of as bookends. Uh, one in Isaiah and one in Revelations. The one in Isaiah just really emphasizing that God is in control of all things, He's got an intended purpose, and in Revelations it hasn't changed, and His intended purpose is going to be fulfilled, and that is that He is coming again, and He's going to set the world right. So if we can kind of have them kind of as these bookends, Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 and 10, these are great verses, Isaiah chapter 46 verse 9 and 10, God is speaking through Isaiah the prophet, to his people. And uh, it's interesting because the time frame in which he's talking to his people, there's a lot of uncertainty that is in front of them. There's a lot of uncertainty that's around them. And God is speaking to his people. He said, remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God. And there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Well, the interesting thing about this verse is that the two times God is used, it's different, different words. So the first time in here it says, I am God, which is the Almighty God. I am the Almighty God. And there is no other. Then he says, I am God, I am Elohim. And I've shared this with you before. Elohim, I am He who causes that which is to exist. And He says, and there is none like Me. And then I love this. It says, I make known the end from the beginning. I make known the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, that is which is still to come. So God in eternity future looks back and says, it's going to happen the way I say, and God from eternity past the future, it's going to happen the way I say. And it goes on to say, I say my purpose will stand. I will do all that I please. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12 and 13, Jesus speaking to the people through John the apostle, he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the alpha and omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So Here we are, we're standing here and Jesus' promise to us that he is going to come again. So Father, I'm just thankful for your promises. I'm just thankful that you're just not telling us to believe. You're telling us that we can actually look back in history and see your faithfulness. And we can stand here in our present and see your faithfulness, so that we can stand here in our present and look to the future and know that you will be faithful. That just blows me away. You've, you've made sure that you've preserved your word. And it's just not in our Bibles. It's in, it's in Egyptian text. It's in Assyrian text. It's in Babylonian text. It's, it's all over the face of the earth. The accountings of what you have done. Amazing. People just say it's a blind faith. No, uh-uh. it's, a, it's a foundation of faith that was established a long time ago. Thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity we have this morning as we look into things that are yet to come. Uh, I pray that you would just encourage our hearts through it, that you would remind us once again of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me kind of start this way. Let's just ask the question, so what do the end times look like without the Bible, without the Scripture, and without God? So just take God out of the equation, completely. What are the theories out there about the end of the world? Just a second, I'll get to you. Well, I mean, I don't know so much about a lot of the theories, but I mean, if you take God out of everything, that thing that comes to mind is total hopelessness. Okay. Somebody? Oh, you want to run? Thank you. Just put your hand up. So what are the, one of the stuff's being said out there? What are the end times? The events? The end time? What's that look like without God? Without any knowledge? I just knew you were all the way in the back. So no. Um, alien invasions, yeah. the Walking Dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> meteorite. Meteorite, right? Yeah. Right. We talk about. I'm amazed that every time I hear something on the news, it says an asteroid the size of New York City just missed us. And, and if we've been around for a billion years. And asteroids are just missing us, and our batting average is a thousand. Do you think that's by chance? <laughs> just like everything was created by chance? Right. No. It's <laughs> pretty good. Has anybody noticed in the news the uptick of Area 51? Oh, yeah. 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 And aliens. And aliens? Isn't that a. Am- I don't know. Let's do one plus one equal two. You know? Um, we know that the scriptures talk about the church being taken away, taken up. Now we got an uptick, an in alien invasion, uh, or an uh, in aliens and Area 51. And then, so what is the first thing going to happen when the Christians are gone? Alien, alien. <laughs> alien abduction. <laughs> Go ahead. So I've heard a lot of people talking about we're not going to have any food, and there's total lawlessness. Well, there's going to be total lawlessness. That's for sure. Uh, go ahead. Uh, what's your name, Nelda? <laughs> that's senior moment. <laughs> Not hers, mine. It's uh, unbelief and people saying, "Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe that," and without belief in God. Um, it's lawlessness, terrible confusion. Uh, Stephanie. In a word, hopeless. Okay. Uh, bring it up to your mom. I think without God and what the world is telling us, it's going to be environmental disaster. That that is the main thing global that's being pushed: warming. global warming, environmental disaster. That we have to save the planet. You know what's funny about that? Ralph and I were talking about it a couple months ago. Is in the '70s we're going to freeze to death. How much later now? It's we're not going to freeze to death. We're global warming. Flood are going to rise. We're all going to cook. Whatever. You know. So this. So so I So I wonder. Uh, what in if the Lord tarries in 20 years, what is it going to be? Because God can, just so you know, God can shift anything at any time just the way He wants. So I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe all the scientists were going to go, we're going to freeze, and God's going, N-n-n-n-n-n-n. nope, not going to happen. Who knows? Ralph? Uh, yeah, well, new heavens and new earth, the old things pass away. <clears throat> uh, latest thing that's on the physics. Um, is the universe expanding at an accelerated rate. Pretty soon the fabric time, space will rip apart. Uh, Everything will be so far apart from each other. Even uh, subatomic particles will rip apart. So it's called the big rip. And that's our future trillions of billions and billions of years from now. (laughs) Great hope, but God says, no, that's not how it is. It's gonna be a new heavens and a new earth and it's gonna be a new uh, uh, structure. And all things will be passed away. Uh come bring it up to Ann. We were talking on Friday, and there was um, somebody has mentioned their son-in-law's got a T-shirt, and it's got all the superheroes on it, the Marvel superheroes, and they're all sitting on a bench, and Jesus is in the middle, and the little caption says, and that's how I saved the world. <laughs> Ann? Um, remember in the 80s, it was going to be atomic warfare, and we were all going to destroy each other with all the atomic bombs and... Things like that. And, um, you know, as far as anything getting destroyed, I love the verse that tells us that Jesus holds all things together with the power of his word. Mm. Just like he created everything with the power of his word, he holds all things together. Otherwise, atoms would split apart. chaos would (laughs) happen. But because he does that, we have comfort in that. That is so good. So, and now here's another question. I'm done with that, actually. Uh, Aiden, thanks. Uh, so when's it all going to happen? You know, I started doing some just, just briefly, and ever since Christ, there was always those in each, each time frame that would say, "This is what's going to happen, and this is when it's going to happen." And then it, that doesn't happen when they say it's going to happen. So that was a miscalculation. They did their math wrong. So they push it back, and then this is when it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen, and it falls by the wayside. Somebody else comes to the forefront and says, this is what's going to happen, and when it's going to happen, and that doesn't happen, that just kind of falls by the wayside. And so, you know, we, as believers, if we just listen to the world, that would be very contradictory and confusing. And I have to admit that even when you begin to take a a more comprehensive look at Scripture, and you're walking through Revelations, and you're trying to connect Daniel and Isaiah and Zechariah, and you're trying to get a you're trying to get a, a good picture. That's just that's a lot of information that's there, and it can be overwhelming. I mean, even for myself, you know, I have studied prophecy in the past, and you know, I've kind of come to some settled conclusions about what's going to be taking place, but. You know, I just have to sit here and know that uh, it's okay that we don't have it all figured out. As a matter of fact, let me just say this, we won't. We won't have it all figured out, because the scriptures are very clear that some things are hidden and some things are a mystery. So if you look at Deuteronomy chapter 29 verse 29, it says, "The secret things belong to the Lord our God." Now this, this text is so very important because for, for us today, it, it is saying something to us that I think sometimes we might miss. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children. Okay, So the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed, they belong to us and to our children. In other words, God has revealed them to us for us. Look at the next phrase that we may follow all the words of this law. Let me translate. There are some things that you're not going to know. They're secret. They're hidden. God's not going to reveal them. He hasn't and He's not. But what He has revealed to us, they're for us so that we can have this right relationship with Jesus. So that we can have a right relationship with God. And I think that is so very important as we think about... As we think about uh, prophecy and end time events, I think that there is enough of the big pieces that we can understand and have some comfort that God's got this. We look back and we see that God had it. We look in our present life, we understand that God has our lives. We can look to the future and know that God's got this. And what He's revealed to us and all that He has revealed to us is so that we can have this right relationship with Him. That is not a mystery. You can take the Bible, you can take the New Testament and drop it on an unbeliever's lap who have never read the Bible. They can read through it and they'll come to an understanding whether they believe it or not that there is a God and He cares about humanity. He's trying to help humanity in relationship with Him to know Him. Just take John. Uh, There's a lot of things written, but these things are written that you might believe in the name of the Son of God and that you might have life through His name. Stop there. That's enough. So, that is so valuable and that is so important for us. I know that sitting in this room, we all have some varied ideas about time frames and events. So, that's okay. But what we can agree on, what we know for sure, are the things that that help us get this right with the Lord. Undeniable. The shed blood of Jesus Christ for us. The gift of the Holy Spirit in our life to be a teacher and a guide and a comforter. You know, there's just so many things that have been revealed to us. And then I think about Daniel chapter 12, verse 9. So Daniel just gets out of a series of all these things that uh, he's experienced and uh, God has revealed and helped him see. And Daniel's going, I I need to know more. And it's like he's questioning. "Uh, I I don't understand this. I don't understand that. Show me more. And this is what he says to Daniel, go your way, Daniel, for these words are concealed and sealed up until the end of time. Now, I can tell you again, I've forgotten more than I remember about prophecy. And, you know, I've, again, I've studied a lot and I've come to certain conclusions in my life. And here's what I've settled on. I believe that God created the heavens and earth in six days, rested on the seventh. I believe that there was the fall and the flood. I look in the Old Testament, I believe that. I look to the future, and God said he's going to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I believe that. I kind of have this settled, I have a settled assurance that God's got this. But what that has done for me is placed me in the here and now. See, what God has revealed to me is so that me, my family, so that we, believers, can have this right relationship with Him. So what we really need to do is, we, we it's good to have an understanding of what has happened, and it's good to have an understanding of the big things, the big ideas of things that will come. Now, I can tell you right now, um, if... You can look through, so a lot of people believe a lot of time sequences about the future and a lot of different events of the future. But if you were to take both sides, because I've done it, you look, they believe in certain big things. This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to They might not agree with exactly what they look like or the time frame. And over here on this side, they say, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. They might not agree on the time frame and what it looks like, but they can agree on big events. And so what we need to understand is there is a time frame and God is going to be doing things. And what it should do is bring comfort to us that God has got this. So we need to be thinking about we're in the here, in the right now. I've quoted this verse, I can't, a hundred times here. Second uh, uh, Titus chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. It says, the grace of God that appeared unto us, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present evil world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That verse tells us what I've been saying. The grace of God came, and when the grace of God came, He came as a teacher to us teaching us that we need to live a particular way, but with a focus on the future, the hope of eternal life. So for our here and now, it's great. We need to have a hope for the future. I think that's what really brings us today to living the life that we're supposed to be living, knowing God's past, what he said would come true, and it did, knowing the future that it's going to because in our present, he already has, right? So Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus, God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. How many has that happened to in this room? How many have had the opportunity of God bringing you comfort when you were down? How many of you have had God's provision in your life when He said He would provide? So, currently, in our current situation, so we look back and we see what God said He would do. We look in our current situation, we understand the truth of Scripture in our own personal, I'm saved. I've, my life is redeemed from destruction. I've been saved by the blood of Jesus. My sins are forgiven. The Spirit of God is resident in my life. He's a teacher, a guide, and a comforter. How good is that? I know that. Well, then why would I doubt what's ahead of me? We have this whole, I am God from the ancient times, from times past I've revealed, today, in your own personal life. I am revealing myself and my truth to you. Since when is God going to skip on the last part? How is God not going to be eternally faithful to do what he said he would do? That is so good. Now I can tell you right now, there's two types of people that make me very uncomfortable. Those who say, I have it all figured out. I can tell you what the wheel in the middle of the wheel and I can tell you what really the beast is and I can tell... I mean, just no ifs ands, this is exactly what it's going to look like. I always think to myself, okay, what happens? You're all the way back here in the 1500s and they're writing about the atomic bomb hitting Hiroshima. No airplanes, no such knowledge. Of a cataclysmic explosion that would be of the force that it is to do the damage that it did. And they're writing for it back there. What, what are they thinking in the 1500s? They have no idea what that looks like because it's never happened. And so we're looking to the future, and God, you walk through, how many have read through Revelations of late? How many read through Revelations and understood all that was saying as you're going through and had a real clarity about every little piece? Yeah, that's tricky. Because even John is writing of things going, it's kind of like. And they were like. And so it's like, all right, we've got we to settle down a little bit here and at least have some grace for each other to say, okay, uh, we can believe on we know these big events. The big events, they're just, you know, hey, there's going to be a tribulation period. No doubt about it. There is going to be a second coming of Jesus Christ. No doubt about it. There is going to be Satan bound. No doubt about it. Now, so there's these big things that are going to be taking place, but we don't know exactly. And, and you know, I have my... I have my thoughts for it, but there's some of the things there I kind of hold loosely. And I go, you know, I could, I could want to be dogmatic about this, but it's kind of tricky for me to do that. Um, just because Oh, the big, the big pieces, yeah, I know that's going to happen. And I got an idea and a time frame, but if, God, if it's not on my time frame, I'm sure I'm going to go, I'm done. You didn't do it the way I wanted, count me out. Just check me off the list. Hey, we're all going to be happy, right? We're in this, and God is walking us through it, and we have hope for the future, and we know that God's got the future in his hands. What we need to understand is that there's some things that are pretty clear and other things that aren't as clear. And so, why would we fuss? That's what I don't get. Why would we fuss over the things that are unclear? Foolish. But we can fuss about the things that are clear. Somebody comes up to me and say, hey, Jesus did not die on the cross for the sin of humanity. I'll go, okay. You believe that. See ya. But until you think differently, I won't see you where you're going to see me. Those are two very different things. I'm going to heaven. Another person that, type of people that make me really nervous are the people that say, God spoke to me about my life. All the details of my life—he's mapped it all out. He's already revealed it to me. You know, there were a couple guys like that. When I first got saved, they were older guys, and it seemed like—seemed to me, like that's what they were saying. And that wasn't panning—that wasn't working in my life. I'm going, huh? I must not have got it. So I go back to the altar. I'm kneeling. I'm going, okay, Jesus. I must not have got it right. Maybe I didn't get it all, so I don't know what i got to do to get it all, but I want it all because I want to know what they know. And so, you know, you pray the prayer again, it still doesn't pan out. And so I remember very specifically, I'm reading through, I start uh, reading through the Old Testament again. I get to the accounting of Abraham and his life. And I'm reading through Genesis chapter 12, verse 25, and I remember very distinctly I get through reading through Abraham's life, and it's like the next day I'm ready to go on the next day, and the Lord says, no, go back and read. 12 through 25 again. I went, oh yeah. So, you know, I'm a, my learning curve is, I'm a slow learner, right? So I read through it again. I went, okay, I read through it. and no, I got nothing, right? And he goes, read it again. And when I began to read it again, God began to help me see something. See, because when God first approached Abraham, here's what he said to him. He made this promise, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, could you imagine if God dropped down? You're, you're somewhere, and God just goes, boom, and you're going, woohoo! And so Abraham, it says that Abraham built this altar. God spoke this promise to him, and that Abraham got up from the altar, and he moved forward. He gets down the road a ways, and it's like, hmm, this really isn't seeming to work the way that I thought it was going to work. So what's he do? Read and... This, is, this would be good for everybody. Take and read through Genesis chapter 12 through 25 and watch this. So he goes, what's he do? He goes back to where God first spoke to him. And it doesn't say this, but I'm clear about this. He's going, <clears throat> so this doesn't seem to be working out. And what does God do? God gives him a little more clarity about what that looks like. So then from there he goes. It doesn't seem to be working out. What does God do? Read every account of God speaking to Abraham, and it goes like this. This much, then this much, then this much, than this much. And God, had, there's this progressive revelation to Abraham about God's intention in his, through his life in the nation of Israel, and it just grows. So it was, then I went, ah, I'm not crazy. They are. <laughs> now look at what it says in Romans chapter 4. Verses 18 through 25, this is speaking about Abraham. It says, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. It says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was also able to perform. Two things. God spoke to Abraham when he was 75 and Sarah was 65. You're going to have a child. The two of you together are going to have a child. It's going to happen. Okay? Okay. 25 years later, I told you that's going to happen. You sure about that? I'm 100. She's 90. Her womb is dead. And God's going, yep, and it's going to happen just the way I said, so you know it was me. And it says that Abraham staggered not at that promise. He didn't stagger at any of what God was saying to him. Now, this word stagger is a word, a Greek word. It comes from two words, diokrino. It means to judge through or decide against. In other words, Abraham did not judge whether God's word to him was going to come to pass or not, because he believed it would. Nor did Abraham decide against what God was promising to him. But it says he believed He just didn't know for sure what that promise looked like. He believed what God said, and so he did what God wanted him to do. This is really a, just a really simple principle for us today. And it says in verse 23, And when God counted him as righteous, it was was not just for Abraham's benefit. I love that. It was recorded for ours also. So here we are, we're the church, and God has promised that what He's going to do with us is a people of God that believes in Him. What we should not do is, through our life, determine whether that promises are true or not. We shouldn't decide against what God has promised. What we should do is believe and do what He's asking us to do. That's what Abraham did, and that put him in right relationship with God. That's what we need to do. That's what puts us in right relationship with God. So now let me ask you this. What does it look like with God revealing the future to us? What does the Bible say about the last days and end time events? Now let me just qualify something. Last days. uh, We see that through scripture with the promise of the Messiah is identified as the last days. So, in other words, when Jesus first came in the world, what it did is it set in motion what the Bible describes as the beginning of the last days. And now we learn and we know that Jesus is going to come again, and when he comes again, he will fulfill all that is first coming set in motion, and let me just generalize it, that, that is the redemption of all things. So I got to thinking about, this whole thing and about the events of human history and there's a lot of them but let me just let me bring four pivotal events into focus this morning the first one is creation the second one is the fall the flood the first the next one is the first coming of jesus and the next one is the second coming of jesus and you can go well there's a lot more yeah there are but i chose them i it's my prerogative if you want to next week have six you can have six i got four simple right so here you have the creation. God created the heavens and earth for six days, rested on the seventh, and is all good. He created man as his own image. What's the next thing that happened? Man's sin. So it brought sin and judgment to humanity. The image of man, God and man, is marred. What does Jesus come at the first coming? He is there to restore the image of God and Man. And at the second coming, we learn that he is going to bring a fullness of God's salvation and judgment, the redemption of all things, God putting the world right. So you have the first Adam, and because of his disobedience, we have sin and judgment. We have the second Adam, which brings salvation and redemption. Big pieces that we need to understand. I got to thinking, we do have, and or we should have, some clarity and some certainty about Jesus coming again we shouldn't doubt that i mean if you need a verse i got a verse for you let's just look at john chapter 14 verses 1 through 3 and i like this for a specific reason so here's jesus talking to his disciples. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe God, I believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, for not so I would have told you. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go, go, go prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. So we have this promise that Jesus has given to his disciples, right? Now think about when the promise was given. It was given before things got bad. It was given before the death, burial, and resurrection, let's just put it this way, it was before the trial and the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. So I I thought that was so appropriate. You know, I never really kind of put it in the context before, it just kind of was an aha thing, like he gives them good news before they get in tricky situations. And God has done the very same thing for us. He's given us the good news before we ever get into any tricky situations. Isn't God so good? So I think as as we move forward, here's something that's important to remember: is that prophecy does not describe the future in the same detail as history describes the past, because, like the deal with Hiroshima, you don't don't need to be speculative about it. This is who built it. This is why they built it. This is where they dropped it, and this is what this is the devastation that it brought. Future-wise, is a little bit different because when we're talking about prophecy, most of the Old Testament prophets, they looked ahead and they saw the coming of Messiah. There wasn't a differentiation between a first coming and a second coming. They didn't see the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Not like we do. We look back now and there's... Man, it's just spelled out. It's very clear. It's funny. We're here going, how dumb can they be? If Jesus tarried a couple hundred years, they'd be down here a hundred years later go, how dumb can they be? <laughs> plain as day. No, not necessarily plain as day. This was a look ahead. So, you know, when the Jews, when they heard about the coming of Messiah, they thought specifically about a political, military leader that was going to crush their oppressors. So they didn't see it like we get to see it. Jesus' first coming was not to establish his earthly kingdom. It was to bring salvation to humanity. But he is coming back again. It's very clear he's coming back again. I love how when he's uh, standing... Uh, on the mount with his disciples and he's being caught up together. He's being caught up in the clouds and they're all gazing up and the angels go, hey, hey, wake up. He's going to come back the same way that he went up. So just know that he is coming back. And when we look at scripture, we can see in Micah chapter 2 where it talks about how the Messiah would come and he'd be born in Bethlehem. Check. First coming. We see in Isaiah chapter 7 14, behold of A virgin will bear forth a son who we will call Emmanuel, check, first coming. And then you see in Isaiah chapter 59 and Psalms chapter 22 and uh, numerous other places that talk about the suffering and the death that Christ would endure. And then in Zechariah chapter 12, it talks about this suffering servant, this one that they would pierce, would rise, and he would face his enemies. So we can see that there are these differences. So here's the deal. So we are right now standing between his first coming and his second coming. And there's a domino that's going to fall, so to speak. That's going to go... And when it falls, it's going to go... And there's going to be events that are going to be taking place. Right now, we are in this, this age that they call church age. There is this age in which we are now living that at one point, at some point in time, this is going to come to an end. And it's going to be different. And I think that we can see that there are certain events that, can take, that are going to take place. There are certain dominoes that are going to fall. So, the scriptures are clear that Jesus was going to come, he's going to be cut off, and he's going to come again. And when he does, there is going to be this final and complete victory that he is going to accomplish. So, what comes next? What's the next domino? Well, we're going to talk about that next week. But. I said what I said specifically so that we can settle in our hearts that the God who was, is, and will be. Uh, We can have so much confidence. that No matter where you are, no matter where you are in your life, if you would just take a moment and you were to ask God to help you reflect on your life and how what God's Word said, written, mind you, a couple thousand years back, it was penned and now that which was pinned is speaking to my life today is manifesting a truth in my life today that's amazing so why would we doubt what god is going to do in the future let me close with these verses first john chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 say this behold what manner of love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of god and that is what we are The reason the world doesn't know us is because it didn't know him. So dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse 3, And all who have this hope in them will purify themselves even as he is pure. In other words, the things that God has revealed to us are for us so that we can have this right relationship with Him. Father, thank You for Your goodness faithfulness. You faithfulness. You're just an amazing God. You're just an amazing God. You're just an amazing God. For us to be able to stand here 2,000 years after New Testament Scriptures were penned and see their relevance and the truth in them, really does give us hope for a future. It helps me specifically know that you are God and there is none like you. And that you will do all you say. And if you're going to do all that you say, then I don't want to be out of bounds. I don't want to be where I, don't, where I should not be. I want to be where I need to be, and that is in the right relationship with you. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an amazing week.